Come on. Welcome to Life Blood. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Ryan Purvis. Ryan, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Ryan is the head of solutions for Lakeside Software. They're a global leader in digital experience monitoring, working to improve the everyday digital experiences of employees. Ryan, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Great. Thank you for having me. So I am a South African living in the UK. Uh, I've been working with Lakeside uh, for 10 years, uh, mostly as a customer, and I've recently made the switch over. And we've been doing a lot around digital exp uh, ex employee experience, uh, which is measuring what is happening on a user's workstation to help them to do their work better and, and have the right tools. Uh, and that's about you know the, the right uh, laptop, desktop, or virtual machine, um, using the right applications. Uh, and if they're not using applications, um, taking those things off the desktop uh, to improve performance and experience. Uh, and as most people have now realized through a pandemic, um, the ability to work remotely requires having the right tools, the right connectivity, uh, and the right access to things. And, and we've been helping uh, companies do that with and help their employees. Nice. So how does it actually work? Lakeside is, is, is on my machine and it's just observing how I'm, how I'm interacting. Yeah, correct. So, so we have a, a cloud offering. Uh, so customers can sign up and get our cloud um, tenant and deploy the agents to their, their desktops. Um, and then, yes, the agent sits in the background. It's monitoring real time uh, what the user is doing. Uh, there is uh, anonymization uh, built into the product, which can be switched on. Um, but in essence, we, we can know which applications you're working in, how your memory, your CPU, your disk uh, is behaving. And then that can be used as a way to decide, have you got the right size laptop, the right spec? Um, are you not utilizing... Um, software in the right way. Are there licenses we can reclaim because you haven't used a certain version of a product? So if we said like Adobe, a lot of people think they need to have Adobe Writer to, to create PDFs. So they pay, you know, whatever the thousand dollars it is for, for that license. But in reality, you could probably get away with the built-in PDF Writer that comes with Windows and the Adobe Reader, which is free, um, saving the company money. And if you've got 10,000 users, you know, that could be a couple million dollars that you're saving or just, just reclaiming licenses. So, so it's very much about making use of, of data to make good decisions. And that's what our product does. Um, we have, you know, quite a deep um, collection of data that we collect uh, and, and quite a wide uh, set of touch points. So across the entire um, desktop. And the way we interpret that data and bring insights from that, we give decision makers uh, good information to make good decisions. And how this is obviously a, a big problem. Otherwise, Lakeside wouldn't exist. What 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 is the scope <laughs> of the problem? <laughs> oh, it, it, well, there's so many use cases. I think that's that's where it is. If, if you've got this kind of thing in place, and I've worked in, walked into organizations where they don't have it, and people are making decisions based on opinions and, and guesses and and estimations. Um, and I'll never forget one of the one of my first weeks in a, in a job, and one of the senior guys came and said, "Should we get everyone second screens?" And I said, "Well, 
you know, if you look at the science, there's definitely a productivity gain, but I can't tell you without having something to measure it. And, and that's something we can answer that question. We can tell you if someone needs a second screen straight away um, because we see by user behavior and what they're doing between switching between apps. If, if they're switching between apps a lot, that probably means that they need a second screen to have one application on one screen and the other application on another screen. And they can be you know, 30 to 50% more productive um, with that, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I've, I've, that's in my thought. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And so just that's, that's a good example right there. And, and you can actually track yeah. just how much time and we're that that could be. I think you said thirty percent. It's obviously going to be dependent on each individual and and all that good stuff. But it works out to be like a lot of time. Oh, definitely. Uh, and I think that was actually a study by Microsoft. And I'm talking probably 10, 15 years ago um, when that study came out. So and and I, and I don't think the numbers have changed that much. But I can honestly tell you that you know I've moved away from Windows to Mac, and I I use my iPad as a second screen. And I noticed just by doing that, how, how that benefits me. If I'm sitting somewhere in a coffee shop and I want to do something, it, it just makes that easier. Uh, and I think there's, there's a comfort set thing to that. So being able to make that decision to buy the right size screens, you know, don't go and buy a whole bunch of, of um, little screens if it's with people working on, on graphic designs or um, architectural designs or, or those sorts of things. Um, and if you've got knowledge workers, which, which most of us are nowadays, uh, you need to make that as, as easy as possible to see the information and to sort it out um, so that you can make your workflow efficient. So y'all will tell me if I'm being inefficient, do you also make recommendations on how to fix the inefficiency? Um, we don't get into to people's um, working thing, but we will, we'll pick up things around the system. So for example, if you open a lot of applications, and you leave them and you don't use them. So in the background, you've got you know, 10 Excel spreadsheets open, a whole bunch of email messages open. That's all using resources. So we'll make we'll pop up the alert saying, you know, maybe you should close some windows. Um, if you've got an application that's using too much resource, too much memory, too much CPU, which will affect your experience, we'll recommend that it's closed or we'll even close it for you. Um, you know, some of the proactive things like a disk cleanup, for example, if you're running out of disk space, we'll, we'll automatically clean that up for you. That again uh, helps a user. And if you think about this from a sort of wider IT service point of view, um, a lot of a lot of companies will use a ticket as a form of driving work that has to be done to help a user. If you avoid the ticket, you make a better experience for the user because they feel like IT is on top of it. So there's a perspective change. Um, but also that ticket sometimes has a cost associated to it, like ten dollars, twenty dollars. And again, if you can fix those or avoid those tickets by using automation which is something you can do with our product, um, you could save money. You know, if you're saving 10% of your, your tickets by automation or 20% or 30%, you multiply that up by $10. $10. You know, that could be depending on how big your environment is. Uh, and another way to, to reduce the cost. I, I wouldn't say this is a return on investment tool where you're going to uh, necessarily make money out of the tool, but you'll save money, which helps you to spend money, that money elsewhere. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How is it? How is it received? I, I could see both ways. I could see somebody who is sort of, I don't want to call them more enlightened, but more comfortable with it saying, this is awesome. It's helpful. But I can also see somebody else saying, I, I don't like Big Brother looking at all my work. Yeah. And, and that's why I said the anonymization exists. Uh, and there's obviously um, access controls and, and that sort of thing to the data. 
Uh, if you specific, specifically go into the, to areas like Germany or or France, where there's workers' councils and, and certain regulations around that, you can see the data. So, so we we protect for those sorts of things. Um, there are people, and it's a maturity curve, uh, I would say, that that you get a certain point where you're you're okay with where you're not okay with this stuff. You you think you manage it all by yourself, and then as you get to bigger problems with bigger scale issues, you mature and say, actually, you know what? I don't mind if I could wear that data. In fact, in most cases, you're working working on a corporate machine that you don't own, so it's no different to your boss standing by your desk watching you work. You just got an agent watching you. And, and most of the time we actually don't care um, about what someone's doing at nine o'clock on a Monday morning. What we care about is when that person was doing the work, was the machine in a good state? Were they, were they not delayed by anything? So we have a health score um, that tells you what you're impacted on. So we might say, okay, that person's working at nine o'clock on a Monday, they had, they had a very slow network because they were on Wi-Fi and they were sitting at the edge of the edge of the internal coffee shop, the cafeteria. We need to go and work on the, the Wi-Fi in that area to improve the service. And by having the data, you can go and derive that there's work to be done there. And then you can also check later on to see that their work's actually shown value. Now that might reflect as a bunch of tickets that have been logged, uh, or it might might come back to you via surveys to say that actually. You know, I'm really impressed with our, with our IT because this was an issue for me last week and now it's been fixed. Um, and so, so a lot of this is, is perception management, expectation management as well. I, I mean, I used to work in, in a few organizations where we would, we would show customers, the internal customer, and I, I was working for the same business, what we were seeing. And they would appreciate that, that what we were showing them was, was in the nuts and bolts of, of how their machine was working and how we were investigating their problem. And it took away this opinionated or oh, the, the machine is slow, to actually, the machine's not slow, your network connectivity is slow because you're sitting on the edge of the Wi-Fi. And if you just went closer to, to the access point or, or you worked in a place that the Wi-Fi was better, you see the problem would go away. And that, that, that took away, uh, that, that, that for, the, for the user made them feel like we had control of it, but also that their issue was being dealt with proactively and they were making the business better and their work was getting better. Yeah, and I, that hundred percent. I, I would rather know that and to not be frustrated by why is my computer slow or why am I not getting on a Wi-Fi, whatever it might be. I would hundred percent rather know that and have that information to be able to proactively just have a better experience and 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 a better time. In terms of, and, and this is just sort of a more more general kind of a question: Is there ever too much optimization? Um, and maybe that's just kind of a dumb question but i'll throw it out there uh no because what, what we found you know and having done this for for a long time um is you never get you never optimize everything fully you fix one thing and you, you tend to it's like whack-a-mole sometimes you fix one mm. thing and you break something else or by fixing this one thing you now notice two other things you hadn't seen before which now also need to be fixed um so there's always something that could be that could be improved on uh, and I think that's one of the, the, the beauties of the space is that, with, and with using sort of tooling, is you can see with with empirical data something that is changing and being affected by what you're doing. And, and often what was happening without having these tools, and I've worked in organizations that haven't had these tools, is it's a lot of subjective guessing to what's causing the problem. And that wastes a lot of time. Um, so, and then your optimizations are no good because you really don't know what you're optimizing. Yeah, I think that, that makes a ton of sense. And I was just thinking this morning about just how much time we do waste 
and how our minds are wandering like half the time. And we're constantly having to make decisions about things. And we have all these different thoughts going through our heads. So how can we do a better job of that? And without the empirical evidence that you're talking about, then I'm just kind of guessing, sort of flying by the seat of my pants kind of a thing. So I do see immense value and say, okay, well, we know this to be a fact and we made these changes and this is the result. And maybe it was the result we were looking for or we're expecting, or maybe it's totally different. Yeah. And, and we've seen, you know, having the, the data that it's helped businesses make decisions like uh, I worked with an organization that a whole, had, a, had a big sales force and they were trying to decide whether they need to actually give their sales force tablets or laptops. And if you look at the, the successful salespeople, they were always on the road. Um, and they spend a lot of time on the road doing very quick things where a tablet and an app was a better fit for them than having a heavier laptop to carry around. Uh, and we could measure that and, and sort of justify the, the spend. And also the way they went with, with the tablet, with the, with the built-in 3G connection, et cetera, and using a, a brand like, like an iPad, um, if that device got broken or stolen, they could replace it really easily. A person could walk into any shop and buy another iPad and be set up again. Mm-hmm. And it's that, those kinds of tangible things that, that really show the value of having this information. Yeah. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Like, and, and that's, I'm sure, a really, really, really big and expensive decision for a large organization is the difference between the laptop or a tablet, as, as you were just talking about. So I think that makes a ton of sense. I, I, I imagine that, that certain organizations are probably too small or not. No, no. I mean, you know, one of the companies I worked with was only 10 users. Um, so that's, that's pretty, you know, it's, it's, it's a reasonably priced product in that sense. I think it comes back to that maturity thing. You know, what are you looking for and what are you trying to do to um, provide as a service to your end users? Um, when, when we look at a, at a customer, we're trying to understand what's important to them and why, um, what their value proposition is and, and how we can help them. Um, and again, it comes back to making, you know, as I say, buying decisions or remote workers, security comes into it as well. We're not, a, we're not a security product, but some of the information we collect. And in fact, um, when, this was, when this was originally set up, we just put out something for Log4j. Um, because we have all the data that we collect, we were able to detect the Log4j uh, patch issues really quickly. And, and we built a, uh, and I say built, it, we configured our product in a couple of days to look for the specific things to help our customers find the log4j issues in their environment. And that's one of the values of having the data is when you have it all, you just need to sift through it to get the stuff um, or find the stuff that you need. Uh, And that's really the the part that we talk about in my team a lot is, is finding the solution for a customer. Which makes sense. I love it. Well, Ryan, the people are ready for that difference making tip. What do you have for them? Well, it, as, as the theme we've had, measure what matters. Um, and that's what our product does. It measures what matters. And then you can make decisions on that. Well, I think that, that is great stuff. It definitely gets, come on. That's something else I've been thinking a lot about. Um, it's that what gets measured gets managed. Then um, you need yep. to measure what matters. So having an understanding of these are the important things that should be focused on. And just to your point, what we've been talking about is you just need to know. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. In fact, that is our, our, uh, one of our taglines, Sistrack Nose, which is our product. So Love it. I'm glad you came up with it. That lined up nicely. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming out. Where can people learn more about you and where can they learn more about Lakeside Software? Great. So our website is lakesidesoftware.com. Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn, Ryan Purvis, so easy to find. And then I've also got a podcast, a Digital Workspace Works, where you can hear me muse about this sort of stuff on a weekly basis. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Ryan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to lakesidesoftware.com and see if it's a good fit for your organization. Find Ryan on LinkedIn. It's Ryan Purvis, P-U-R-V-I-S. And give us the name of the podcast again, Ryan. Digital Workspace Works. Digital Workspace Works. Love it. Well, thanks again, Ryan. Thanks so much. Good to meet and you. Likewise. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.